Welcome to the West Virginia Writers Podcast, a service of West Virginia Writers Incorporated, the Mountain State's largest all-volunteer nonprofit organization dedicated to writers. Established and incorporated in 1977, West Virginia Writers continues to support writers in writing statewide through program sponsorship, an annual writing contest, and an annual summer writers conference. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the organization, its members, and events, as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, broadcasting from atop a hill in Mercer County, here is your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Thank you, Gertrude, and hola, listeners. Welcome to Episode 36 of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Our guest on the podcast today is no stranger to the show, Rhonda Browning-White. She's an editor with the company Inspiration for Writers Incorporated. And she served West Virginia Writers as regional representative, secretary, advisor, and keeps the West Virginia Writers Roundtable email forum supplied with entries on writing contests and publications accepting submissions. She's also almost always a major presence at the summer conference, despite having moved 800 miles away to Florida. Last year, we chatted with Rhonda for a podcast called Memories of Conferences Past to kind of show folks who've never been to one of our conferences what a great time it is. Then after last year's conference, Rhonda returned for Memories of Conferences More Recent, in which we gave our highlights of the 2009 conference. Since the 2010 conference was only about three weeks back, it seemed like a good tradition to continue. So, Rhonda White, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Eric. Now, we had a a great time at the 2010 conference this year, and uh, both of us returned as workshop presenters uh, I only got to lead one workshop myself, but you you led and or co-led three. How did those go? Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, that was that was one of my my top fun things this year. And and I don't mean that to sound vain because that's not the case at all. It's just I really enjoyed the workshops that I was able to teach because the writers who attended were vocal. They had a lot of questions and comments, and I, honestly, I feel like I learned as much from the people who were in my workshops as they did from me. So. You know, there was a lot of great energy in the workshops. And one of yours had a very enticing title called Write and Get Paid, <laughs> which are <laughs> major goals of all writers. That's true, yeah. And that workshop was packed. I, I don't know whether the state of economy had a lot to do with that or the fact that just so many people are like me and wanted to break into not just writing for fun but writing for profit. So it turned out to be a really good workshop. Whereas I only had ten people in mind because its title was Podcasting for Fun and Maybe Profit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> I guess the people in my workshop seemed uh, seemed pretty receptive to it, but it, when you get around to explaining the tech side of how to do one of these, it's it's like pouring a river into someone's glass, and it's a lot to take in. So I may have scared off more people than I turned on to the podcasting medium. But I understand that technology terrifies me. That's you know, I married my personal tech support, and I'm trying to raise another one to replace him. So. <laughs> Yeah, on the on the fresh side of things, so I can't do anything with computers. It's my thought was people who want to do a online radio program will gravitate toward that regardless, and will will pick it up. It, exactly. There's a learning curve to it. You also had a life cycle with a character, life cycle of a character with uh, Sandy Tritt. That was actually Sandy's workshop, so I just you know offered my tidbits here and there. But she she basically led the workshop. It's one she's led before in other venues besides West Virginia Writers. So. You know, she held the floor, and then I just uh, offered my opinion here and there, you know, as I often want to do. <laughs> what were some of your favorite workshops that you got to attend at the conference this year? Well, I really enjoyed the Agents, Editors, and You. That was one of my favorites, where they had the open discussion forum with uh, 
Peter Lynch and Kaylin Adair and Christine Withone and Kelly Mortimer, mm-hmm. where they talked about the do's and don'ts of publishing, and they took questions from the audience, and that was really informative. I enjoyed that one a lot. And I also enjoyed um, Michael Caine's workshop, the CSI workshop he did. And, you know, you can garner a lifetime of story material from just one of those CSI workshops. There's so much that's discussed in those workshops. and. You know, if you like mystery or horror or even romance, you can work some of that stuff into your stories. It was really impressive. And that reminds me, I was reading a review, I believe it was in Entertainment Weekly recently, where it talked about a book where the author had a really good grasp of his characters and their backstory and their relationship to one another. But when it came to the CSI portion of this police procedural thriller, he completely missed the bar. And it was clear he didn't know what he was talking about or had maybe watched a couple of episodes of TV. Uh, the reviewer made a, a big point of pointing that out. These are the kind of workshops that are at our conference that can help people in that regard. That tech side is so important. I mean, ha- you know, all you have to do is watch TV and you'll see the CSI shows and the ER shows and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, readers as a general population are much more informed and much more knowledgeable about the details. And if a writer leaves those details out, the reader's going to realize right away that it's false. I finally got to attend one of Jimmy Carl Harris's workshops, which was uh, his genesis of a story. Um, he's been there uh, in two years previous, and in fact was there during one of the years I was planning the conference back in 2007, I believe, and I've never been able to attend one of his workshops until this year, and it was excellent. Yeah, he's a great writer. He's a great writer. I'm really excited because Jimmy Carl Harris is going to work with uh, Sandy and Inspiration for Writers, so He's part of the team now, and I'm really excited about working with him. He's just, he brings incredible depth to his work. I picked up one of his short story collections, Walking Wounded, at the conference this year, and it's on my, it's in my stack of things I must read soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that one too. I haven't read it either, but like you, I have it, and it's, it's the top of my stack now, so. Another one I picked up at the conference was Back to Abnormal, which is the uh, latest collection by former podcast guest Dana Wildsmith. And it's kind of a, a series of essays of hers about her, her farm that she and her husband have been restoring. I'm sure that's going to be a great piece. I had a chance to talk with her for the first time during the um, awards banquet this year. And I really like Dana. She's got a great personality. And, you know, just listening to her talk is poetic in itself. So I'm sure that's going to be a great piece of work you've got your hands on there. Dana informed me of when she was the artist-in-residence at uh, the Grand Canyon recently, she informed me that one of their rangers there is the podcast ranger. He he was a ranger at the park who they pulled aside and said, we think you would be good at doing a podcast. Get on it. So he's the official podcast ranger and puts out a podcast for the Grand Canyon Park. And and he, she was one of his guests for it. <laughs> How exciting. How exciting. And I was like, that's excellent. I'm, I'm glad to... <laughs> I'm glad the podcasting field is is coming into its own as far as parks are concerned. Now I just got to figure out how to get me one of those gigs at Pipestem. Yeah, there you go. Hey, that's a you know there you go. That's something else you can add to your uh, next workshop you do. Uh, the agents and editors we mentioned uh, were very personable and uh, were doing pitch sessions there at the conference. Did you manage to do one of those? I didn't do a pitch session this year, but you're right. They were personable, and I even realized that. Uh, I think often, for example, pitched not in a in a strict pitch setting, in a set appointment, but he actually pitched at the bonfire. So <laughs> you can't get much more personable than that when you're, you know, pitching over s'mores at the campfire. 
I think that's one of the best things about our conference is that you do, you know, it's not just rubbing elbows with these people and it's not all a formal setting. You know, I had the opportunity to sit out and chit chat with Kaylin Adair at two or three o'clock in the morning on the patio at Holt Lodge. And you can just gain so much from those more intimate settings than you can in a formal face-to-face uh, pitch session, so to speak. You know, I mean, there's there's just so much to be learned about the industry. And when it just flows as natural conversation, it's so much better than it is if it's, you know, a much more structured environment. I only presented one workshop this year because I was part of the, the crew putting together the Friday night entertainment for the conference, uh, which we did calling it a West Virginia Writers Companion in the style of a Prairie Home Companion. And we had folks like Terry McNemer, Susan Nicholas, Wilma Acri, Diane Tarantini, Kathleen Coffey, Kat Pleska, Stephen Goff, Kirk Judd, Granny Sue Holstein. I'm amazed we were able to get all those folks in in the hour and a half we had. But we did. Oh, I know. Terry made me laugh until my sides hurt with his story. And then Diane Tarantini took the stage and added to the pain. And <laughs> it was great. It was such a hoot to see all those people up there and and it was such a variety. I mean, it was a true variety show and the way that only Appalachia could present it, you know. Unfortunately, I did not start my audio recorder for the show, so we don't have an audio tape of it. But we do have a video, which I may be able to pull some audio from. And we also had pretty much the same lineup of people at our appearance this past weekend at Festival in Charleston, which I did get audio on. So maybe I can Excellent. cobble together something for a future podcast. That would be wonderful, an encore, because it was really good. I mean, between the comedy and the and the um, nonfiction presentations that were done, and then you know the singing and Kayla Ward, aka Kathleen Coffey, that little girl gives me chills. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been but a handful of years since Kayla sat in my living room there in Princeton, plucking out some of her songs, and and now look at her, she's really blossomed. I feel like a proud mama listening to her play. Yeah, she she was excellent at the at festival this past weekend and did three songs there, and the audience really seemed to, to dig it. What other uh, memories, major memories, did you have from this year's conference? Well, sticking with the entertainment, Saturday, wow. I mean, Pops Walker never ceases to amaze me with his talent, but then you add Kip and Martin to the stage. Oh, my. I mean, that lady has a voice. She's like one of heaven's angels sent to earth here. And when she and Pops played a few of their songs together, they are so intuitive to to each other's rhythms and movement. And it just got that soul in there. It's They're really incredible together. She really was. And he had told us, he had warned us well in advance. And people can go back and, <laughs> and listen to the Keith Pitzer Tribute Podcast. Uh, I believe he even mentions her on there that he was planning to bring her if ever he was able to come back to the conference. And he, he warned us she's going to really tear the roof off the joint, and she did indeed. She did, yeah. There were mouths dropping open all over that place, and you couldn't sit still listening to the two of them. They were incredible. They really were. And, of course, it gave me all sorts of warm vibes The when he opened up his show by telling the story of the time I called him up to ask if we could use his music for the podcast. And he said, sure, what's a podcast? <laughs> So he opened up Saturday Entertainment with a live rendition of Southeastern, which is the tune we use for our theme. Yeah, they really fit with, with their theme of Appalachia and, and the writing and the music and everything. It just, you know, he's, he's a good fit, and so is Kippen. We had something of a historical event occur at the conference this year, which was arranged by our outgoing president, Terry McNemer, and that was the Appalachian Inquisition panel on Saturday afternoon of the conference. Oh, that was powerful, Eric. That was really powerful. 
What a stage full of presenters. Yeah, we had West Virginia luminaries, uh, Irene McKinney, of course, uh, Denise Giardina, Daniel Boyd, uh, Norman Jordan, who's a poet there, Kirk Judd, Tim Poland, uh, Gretchen Moran Laskus. Right, and to have them all on the stage together, hashing out the status of literature in Appalachia, I mean, you can't get any better than that. And Kat Pleska, she did a great job as a moderator, and the questions she asked of the group, they were they were powerful questions, but they were pointed, too, and... It really interested me to see that, you know, even though these people all write about the same state and the same place and the land and the people, that their responses were varied. And, you know, they didn't all have the same opinion, which I thought was really interesting. We did manage to get audio of that as well as video. So that uh, Appalachian panel will be appearing at some point here on the podcast as a recorded live reading. So folks can can tune in and and hear what went on. Excellent. Everyone should tune into that because, you know, if, I only wish we'd had more time. I could have listened to that discussion all evening long. So if someone didn't get to attend, they really need to hear that podcast. It's good stuff. And Denise Giardina, who had come in for the Appalachian panel, was also our keynote speaker at the awards banquet Saturday night. I know. That was, that was really exciting. Um, you know, the awards ceremony, it's good every year, but this year it was really great. It, it was exciting to have her as our keynote speaker because she's always been one of my literary heroes. But, um, you know, the, the rest of the awards ceremony, too, Wilma moved me to tears with her tribute to Becky Conrad. Oh, my gosh. Me, too. Yeah. Becky's posthumous Jug Award. I mean, even though Becky and I have been friends for eight or nine years, I had no idea of all of her literary accomplishments. For those listeners who are not familiar with Becky Conrad, she was for a, for many years a regional representative for West Virginia writers, but uh, she herself had been blind from about age 19 uh, due to a genetic condition that she had had. And she married her high school sweetheart, and they had a boy named Joshua who wound up developing glycogen storage disease, um, which he suffered from for several years. Becky had kind of a, a tough past few years toward the end of her life because her son wound up dying from his illness and within a year her husband had had a heart attack and passed and she had developed a brain tumor during this time as well before her son's death and her cancer came back which is what ultimately took her but um, before the end of her life she had had written a novel called Blind Fear and before she died she knew the end was coming and she made arrangements to have this published and to have it edited. And so Wilma Acri was very much instrumental in doing that. Jeff and Karen Fuller were also behind that with Evergreen Syndicate, their company, which wound up being the, the publisher of this. And I wound up doing the cover for it, which I got to see for the first time at the conference this year. You did a great job on the cover. That was wonderful. And the artwork of Becky on the back, that was great as well. I didn't realize Becky had so many bylines, and they were in great publications like Golden Seal and Artworks. And I knew she'd won the West Virginia Commission on the Arts Fellowship for her memoir, but um, for the rest of her publications, I was just truly unaware of, of what a presence she had been as a West Virginia writer. Yeah, it was very emotional to hold that copy of her novel in my hands, knowing how much work she'd put into it over the years, and you know to to actually have it. I wish she could have been around to see it. And her book is a very good story. We're going to have an online retail outlet for it at some point in the near future, and we'll alert people as to where they can go to read more. I guess the other major memory for me from the awards banquet, uh, beyond the fact that we had been planning to tweet the winners of the contest on Twitter in real time, 
and then wound up in running into problems when we couldn't get a wireless connection in the dining hall. The scary thing was the plan to do this, even though it failed ultimately, almost didn't happen at all because when I uh, wrote to Stephen Goff, our contest coordinator, who's been on the program here before, to ask him to send me the winner's list you know, on the day of, because I figured that I'd be the one to tweet it from a laptop there from the dining hall. He put his foot down and said, no, we're not going to do that. And I couldn't figure out why he had such hostility to this, because he was at our, our board meeting when we had first discussed this, and everybody agreed it was a good idea. So he and I argued back and forth a little bit, and he finally compromised that, that yes, we could we could tweet the winners, but we needed to have an intern or somebody else do it from somewhere else in the dining hall. We didn't need somebody sitting at the dais um, tweeting it in front of everybody. He, he was like, what if somebody that was tweeting it wound up winning that would that would just not look good and i was like fine okay it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be me and then it turned out that the one who was going to win was me (laughs) i think that was great it was so funny your look was priceless (laughs) he announced i'd won first place for appalachian writing for a, a story i i forgot i'd even submitted called blueberry radio congratulations it was a nice surprise and that gretchen moran laskas had been the judge for that I went up to tell her how pleased I was afterwards, and, and she said that she really enjoyed the story and had read it aloud to her husband that she liked it so much. So, Oh, that's a double honor then. Oh, yes. So that more than made up for not being able to tweet the awards. Of course it did. <laughs> and, of course, no conference would be complete without the conversations held around the campfire and the porch at Cedars Lodge or the porch at Holt Lodge. That's my number one highlight every year, and it's it's one of the main reasons I come back each year, even as far as from Florida. It's the friendships. I mean, the professional networking that happens at the West Virginia Writers' Conference, it's priceless, but the friendships, wow. West Virginia Writers' Conference is the only place I know where you actually have a family reunion with family that you can handpick, you know. Because, I mean, we're all related by our love of writing, and, you know, you can call me corny, but it it really thrills me to reconnect with some of my dearest friends in the world there. You're one, and Sandy Trent, and Terry McNamer, Kathy Kish, and Wilma, Pam. I could go on and on. I mean, to sit out on the porch outside Assembly Hall and catch up with George Lees and Boyd Carr and... And you and I and Terry and Kathy, we had a blast at the bonfire with um, Bill Bittner and Kirk Judd and Susanna Holstein and Kat Pleska. And then we make more new friends. Yeah, like Kip and Martin. She was she was extremely fun to talk to and fit right into the, the whole flow with everybody. Sure. We sat out on the Holt Lodge patio till 2 or 3 in the morning talking. And it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, you could actually talk one-on-one to People that you've admired, uh, like Irene McKinney, Terry McNamer introduced me to her, and we had a really nice chat about her new MFA program at West Virginia Wesleyan. And it's, you know, those, those things are priceless. You just can't get that anywhere. Well, Rhonda White, thank you so much for being on the program today and, and sharing your memories of the conference. Thank you for having me, Eric. Rhonda White lives in Florida, where she continues to edit material of all sorts through Inspiration for Writers Incorporated. You can find a link to their website at our website, podcast.wbwriters.org. Be sure to stop by there for details on our upcoming Dear City Phone-In Podcast, where you can participate by phoning in your letter to your own town. This was inspired by and being done in cooperation with the producers of National Public Radio's show State of the Reunion. We'd love to hear what you'd have to say to your town, and so would they. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker. This podcast has been a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded atop a hill in Mercer County.